0: Our scripture reading is from the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation chapter 7. Revelation 7, and you find the entirety of the chapter there before you. But we looked at the first portion, or two portions, of this verse last week. So I'm just going to read and pick up with the exposition there in verse 13. This is John. Involved in witnessing this great scene of these two great multitudes, then one of the elders addressed me saying, who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come? And I said to him, sir, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. The Lord has given St. John the Divine a revelation, an apocalypse, a revealing of many things. And what we see in this chapter is he gives him a vision of two great hosts. We didn't read the portion, but most of you here last week remember that the first one we see there is there's a an array of people that are numbered 144,000 and they're numbered according to the 12 tribes of Israel and this is the people of God but you remember in the previous chapter we've just now talked about the lamb and the wrath of the lamb and we talked about a four horsemen that were going forth holding war and famine and bloodshed and, and pestilence upon the people and eventually even a pale horse with death and Hades. And before these great terrors go out upon the people in judgment, John sees a scene like you saw in e- uh, Ezekiel 9 where before the people were judged, God sent forth someone to put a seal upon his people. And so his people are sealed. The seal is that which notes ownership. An authentication. And so God sent six men. were going to go out into the population of Jerusalem. And bring destruction. Just like the four horsemen in this vision. But in the Old Testament vision. God brought a man in. Who had a, a, a box that had some marker in it. And he went around all through Jerusalem. And marked the foreheads. Of those that were humble. And repentant. And were gracious before God. And he marked them out and they were the ones that were not destroyed last week we talked about God has a mark that he puts upon the forehead of his people that he may know them he puts his name upon them he puts his ownership upon them his assignment we'll see later in the in the book of revelation that the beast will also mark his people and they will sustain a mark of the beast So God marks his people so that they will not be judged. And what happens here is that what he sees in the first vision is God's people numbered. And just like in the book of Numbers in the Old Testament in chapters 1 and 2, you find all of the tribes of Israel come forth and they take a census for conscription so that they can get the young men who are ready for battle, ready and arrayed for battle. So what you see there is a picture of that but instead of each number of each tribe being different they're all the same because these numbers are symbolic and they're talking about there's 12 tribes and that is squared it's brought to perfection and then it is multiplied by times a thousand because the warriors were always numbered in the thousands so you end up with a number 144 12 squared times a thousand very significant number it signifies that this is God's people numbered then the next vision we see is instead of a numbered army mustered for war, we have an unnumbered host prepared for worship. And that's what you see in the next great number here. This is a, a, a picture of God's people unnumbered. In fact, nobody can number them. There's many as the stars and the grains of the sands of the sea you can't number them. This flashes back to the book of Genesis where God promised Abraham that he would give him descendants, seed, that would make a mighty nation, would have a great name, and that they would be innumerable. And so you find this innumerable host that are gathered for prayer. And the object of their, of their prayer and their praise and their worship is that of God himself, who's referred to over and over and over and over. As the one who sits on the throne and the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The only begotten son of God are the objects of worship of these two great numbers. And in this hymn, they, they outline the sevenfold majesty of God All of the blessings, the power, the wisdom, etc. That God needs to have in order to be the king and the God over his people. And it's punctuated and included with an exclusive. It starts with an amen. Yes, surely, affirmative, verily, verily. And it ends with an amen. All good worship ought to end with an amen. Amen? Then we see not only God's people numbered, but God's people unnumbered. Every nationality, every tribe, every kindred, every race, every nation, every group of people on the face of the earth are in this great congregation that are around the throne. And then in chapter, uh, in this chapter in verse 13 and following, the few verses that we look at this morning, what we see here is a picture of Israel redeemed, regathered, and restored god's people god promised his people over and over and over the old testament that he will restore the fortunes of israel and that's who we see this is the true israel of god not only the 12 tribes but all the peoples of the earth to whom the gospel has gone, those in the far reaches of the world across time who have heard the gospel, the saving gospel of Jesus Christ, and have believed the gospel, seized upon it, hoped in it, lived for God, died for God. And this is the great multitude we see. And the question was asked of John by the elder Do you know who these people are? <laughs> It's almost like, I can't wait to tell you who they are. And John says, well, you know, you look like you have something to say about it. He said, these are they that have come out of the great tribulation. Great tribulation refers back to the teachings of Christ, but even before that, Daniel, in the last chapter of his prophecy, talked about a time of great tribulation. You'll always have tribulation, but there will be a time of immense tribulation, and it will be toward the end of time. uh, Daniel was told, just seal it up in a book, and when the time comes, we'll break the seal and we'll open it up. And guess what's happening in Revelation? We're breaking those seals and we're opening those books and we're revealing these things that are to come to pass. Great tribulation these people have come through. They have kept the faith through hard times, through times of grief and sorrow, times of violence, times of persecution times of opposition, times of discouragement. In fact, they've dwindled down, great deception, all sorts of things. And we've covered this in several passages, not only in Daniel, but in Revelation. And we'll get to a whole lot more that talks about the awful tribulation that comes upon God's people. But this looks forward to, it's over. They've come through it. And so there are about three pictures here, and I'll just, I was gonna go back and read some text, but we'll just, we'll just brief you. You know your Bible well enough, you'll know what I'm referring to. First of all, it says that these were the ones that had come out of the Great Tribulation. These were the survivors, these were the escapees, is what they're called in one of the prophets in the Old Testament. They're called the escapees, those that have escaped, those that have been saved, those that have been salvaged. They're known as the remnant. They're God's people that have been through it all and have been purified in white robes by the fiery trial that's come upon them and the great tribulation they've suffered and they have endured to the end. They've made it and where are they? The scripture says that they are serve him day and night. They're before the throne as priest and he shelters them with his presence I'll just stop right here and tell you that's what God does. He shelters us with His presence. There's a reference made here about how they shall hunger no more, neither the thirst. The sun will not smite them, nor the scorching heat. This is what God promised His people when they were in the wilderness. You remember the things they suffered, the thirst, they got the living water from the rock. They hungered. They got the living bread, the manna, from heaven. The scorching sun would come, but God put a cloud by day to mitigate the effects of the scorching sun. And at night, the cold would come upon them in the desert, and God would guard them with a pillar of fire as a heater coming down over his people. No matter where, people, where God's people go, they are sheltered by the arms and the presence of God. Underneath. You can't see them. But underneath, Paul uh, uh, Moses said to the people, underneath are the everlasting arms that are holding us and sustaining us. Not only have they been sheltered in the desert, but now they're in a safe place. They're before the throne of the saving God. Their needs are met. And this is spelled out, and this is a quotation from the 121st Psalm. Then we go quickly also to discover that the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. Isn't that beautiful imagery? A lamb will be the shepherd. (laughs) It's usually the shepherd that goes after the little lamb. The Bible tells us that our shepherd will leave the ninety and nine in the fold and go look for that little lost lamb. And I thank God that I was that little lost lamb and he came looking for me and he'll come looking for you and he'll envelop you in his arms and he'll hold you there throughout all eternity. Our God is a living God. He's a present God. He's in our midst And we need to recognize. We don't need to be like Jacob who woke up one morning and said, Surely God was in this place and I didn't know it. Well, old clueless Jacob didn't know a lot of things and he learned a lot of things. But God's people should know that his presence is an abiding presence. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So God promises his presence to be. And the lamb, this is the lamb who is the lion Of the tribe of Judah. This is the the lamb that will be the one shepherd. He says in Ezekiel chapter 34. And again in chapter 37. The Lord says. I will shepherd my people. I will seek them on the mountains. I will give them waters by the brook. I will bind up their wounds. I will feed them. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads by the still water." In fact, the water is emblematic of the life that he gives, just like the life of the animals is in the water. And for all of us, we must have that water. You have to have the living water. Jesus stood up one time at a great big festival in Jerusalem when the place was packed and said he was the living water. Ho, anyone that thirsteth, come and drink of the water of life freely. Sitting by a wellside with a woman in Samaria, he said to her, I am the water of life. If you don't know who you're talking to, if you would just give drink, I will give you drink and you will never thirst again. And then finally, we see here, the Lord says he'll wipe away every tear. This is the picture of the loving care of the Father reaching down. You've been through great tribulation. You've been through great sorrow. You've been through great grief. You've been through great persecution. You've been through privation. You've been through abandonment. You've been through a time of desperation. You've cried in the night watches. Joy comes in the morning. And I'll tell you when the real joy comes is that morning we stand in the presence of the glory of God. And God himself just reaches down and wipes away every tear.